BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Bro, one one week before the NFL season starts and you're out there doing the crate challenge? You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the built-in Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang and alongside me is my co-host, Justin Goddard. Uh, Tonight, we got a healthy agenda for you. We're going to briefly talk about the final preseason game. Uh, talk about Josh Allen getting in the NFL Top 100 list. Uh, we got a Wandering Buffalo interview with you. Definitely a good one, so don't miss that. Uh, after that, Justin and I are going to talk about the final rust roster cutdowns. And then lastly, we're going to preview the first game of the regular season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. And in addition, you can also find other amazing content and shows by looking up the Built-in Buffalo Network. But before we get into anything, you know I gotta ask, Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Uh, finally got our 53-man roster kind of stabilized. I'm sure there's going to be a, another couple, two, three moves over the next few days, but something that you know, starts weighing on you after a while, and I'm I'm just gearing up for football season. I, I want to know what guys are going to be out there and, you know, where I think our strengths and weaknesses are and start looking towards the season. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, and I think you said it, you said it perfectly. I'm just looking forward to a week-to-week basis of how this team matches up with the other guys, and it, football's back. I'm excited. You got to be excited if, if you're listening to this. And if if not, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, football's back. <laughs> All right. So let, without further ado, we got to talk about the most recent game the Bills just played. And that was the final preseason game against the Green Bay Packers. We're going to quickly go over this just because uh, we got a pretty packed agenda. But we'll definitely need to talk about some key areas. Specifically, let's start with Josh Allen's performance. You know, earlier this week, Sean McDermott tossed tossed it out uh, Josh Allen in the first, I think, three series. You know, just to knock off the rust, quote unquote. And there was little to no rust, in my opinion. It, he was very, very effective. He went twenty for twenty-six, got two touchdowns, and looked like he was in NFL MVP form. Yeah, I was uh I was very 
adamant about not wanting to see Josh Allen in preseason. Part of that was, you know, how good he looked last year and there was no preseason to warm him up. So it's kind of like, you know, how much does he need it? But I'll tell you what, it was a little stressful seeing him, seeing him out there. Um, but boy, was it fun to watch. You know, he looked, it was damn near perfect. He, it wasn't, you know, bombs and stuff. It was very surgical on getting the team up and down the field. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it made me even more hyped for the season to start. Absolutely. And surgical is a very good adjective to describe how Josh Allen played. Uh, he's a very good intermediate thrower, and it's kind of funny because that was the biggest knock on him coming out. Like, he's probably not going to be good at that, but yet he's very good at that. And, you know, obviously he was surgical because of the amazing wide receiver core that he had around him, and that's going to lead us to our, you know, player spotlight of the game of, you know, this preseason game for that matter, and that's Gabriel Davis. And... I think Gabriel Davis, what, he went 8-for-8 or something like that and caught a touchdown, and he he was just very effective as the Bills' you know, fourth wide receiver and or third in this game, really. But regardless, I just thought Gabriel Davis made a real strong impact, and the continuity between him and Josh Allen is clearly growing, and... I think Gabriel Davis is going to be able to eat in this offense. Yeah, Gabe Davis looked really good in that game. My, my favorite part of his game was that that one catch along the sideline where he did like it looked like a defensive end swim move and scampered up the sideline for like another ten yards. You know, I I had some questions going into the season with John Brown leaving. You know, they obviously alleviated that with Emmanuel Sanders, but it was kind of you know, wondering if Gabe Davis was going to be able to take that next step um, or if he was just kind of an anomaly because of a numbers game and you can only cover so many people. And I'll tell you what, after seeing that performance and the way he's working with Josh Allen, if he was the number two receiver right now, I'd feel pretty good about it. And the beauty of the thing is that he's our wide receiver four and you know, we haven't even seen Steph Diggs out there with him yet, and he's eating out there, and he looks great. Speaking of eating, you know we got to talk about the other two wide receivers, and that was Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. The first time we see these two out on the field, um, not only as teammates, uh, you know, going back to SMU, but here as Bill's teammates and the first time that we saw Emmanuel Sanders on the field. And Cole Beasley picked up exactly where he left off. He was very, very good, uh, you know, always finding open uh, spots out there in the field for Josh Allen to, um, you know, easily get a good completion. And then Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, I really liked how he played in this game. And it's clear that he's a... We already knew this, but like it's clear that he's a really good route runner. But he he just made his presence known, and he was able to make an impact, at least from my opinion, even though we only had like three series to work off of. But Josh was able to get him the ball, and it's clear there's also continuity developing there, which is great. Yeah, and both these guys looked really good to me. I I love watching Sanders play the game. He 
he looks like he's a little kid just having a blast out there. Um, both of these guys are really great in that, like the short area intermediate option routes and finding their way back to the quarterback when the play breaks down. And they're not often necessarily the first or second read, um, but those dudes are both always finding ways to get open. And you know if somebody's double covering stuff over the top, Sanders and Beasley are going to be working underneath. And, you know, it was hard enough to cover Beasley alone when a play was breaking down like that, but now you really have that three-level threat in Emmanuel Sanders. I I, I think he's going to have a great season. I'm, I'm so excited for the receiving core that we have this year. Yeah, me too. And speaking of great season, I, I tried picking up uh, Emmanuel Sanders late in my most recent NFL fantasy football draft, and the guy right before me scooped him up, and... That was a late round sleeper for whatever reason, but I'm telling you, I, I, I got high hopes for Emmanuel Sanders. Let's move on to the Bills' defense. So, again, this was the first time that we got to see the Bills' starting defense out there, and, you know, the Packers put out their second string team, and they were able to string along these long drives, and it was kind of concerning to me the way that I saw how this defense was kind of bending but that goes to the saying bend don't break defense and it's true because the Packers held up zero points on them and I gotta say the compression style defense that they do like you know keep everything in front works really well and it makes sense because of that because they keep everything in front of them and things naturally tight up when they get up to the end zone and when you keep everything in front of you, it's harder for an NFL offense to score. And it's clearly evident again for the, you know, it's evident in this game, at least because the score was 19 to zero. Yeah. And and being a Bills fan, there's been, even before this regime, there's been a lot of the bend, but don't break defenses. And you think eventually I'd get used to watching it in, you know, knowing how it's going to work out. Um, but it, it doesn't become any less frustrating to watch a team kind of looking like they're just marching down the field on you. Um, but this mm-hmm. team in particular, um, we've seen it through the preseason, even going through our depth, um, they, they look pretty adept at really keeping the ball in front of them. And you might get some yards and you might get some plays. Um, but my overall concern is at the end of the year, what our overall scoring defense looks like. And with the way our offense should be able to move the ball, even even if more often than not you can keep those to field goals instead of touchdowns, it's going to be really hard to keep pace with this offense. And I think once, once the other team has to start throwing the ball all over the yard to try to keep pace, we're going to start seeing some more opportunistic plays being made you're going to see Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer coming down with, with the interceptions. And just the way that it all looks like it's going to gel together, um, I'm very excited for for how this team's going to look this year. Yeah, and, you know, I, I understand it's preseason, but this defense, or at least what I saw from it, kind of gave me, you know, some, you know, first year under Sean McDermott 
NFL defense. So like that's when we, you know, Milano was a rookie and then the Bills backed into the playoffs. Uh, It's like, it's exactly that. Like these teams would have these long drives, but it led to turnovers and no touchdowns and field goals. It's, it's great. And if we can get that kind of, uh, production out of this defense i think we're going to be happy campers and to echo what you said if you have a high power offense complementing that we're in business <laughs> anyways let's move on to the nfl top 100 list as you know josh allen came in number 10 right after his boy you know stefan Diggs at number 11 and i know justin that you're not you know this doesn't necessarily mean a lot to you because you know you don't read into it but for me I thought that this was amazing to be in the NFL top 10 players voted by your peers. That means you have to be a game wrecker. It means to me that the other NFL team has to specifically game plan around you, which means you're probably very impactful and you, you're, you mean business when you, when you game plan around them. And I thought maybe, you know, he could have gone higher than number 10. But, you know, I'm just being greedy. And it's, I've never seen a, a Bills player ever make it that high in general. So it was very nice. <laughs> but it's so cool to see the man get the recognition that he definitely deserves. Because he balled out last year. And I hope he picks everything up that he did from last year and keeps growing from it. Because if he takes even another step like he did that that he did from last year, it's it's gonna be easily he's number one no matter what. Yeah, and we we talked about the list last week, and you know I I have my my points that I don't put too much stock in it. But to your point of like being a Bills fan your whole life, I I don't think I can name any player that made it into the top ten. Um, so it is really cool seeing him there. Uh, I actually agree that he probably could be a little bit higher, but I like that he's a little bit lower and it's just that little extra fuel to the fire and, you know, Mm. as high as, you know, his, um, NFL colleagues are, are rating him because this is voted on by players, you know, there's Mm -hmm. still going to be the media out there that that's like, Oh, last year was a flash in the pan. Like, let's see if he can do it again. And I think that until he's like five, six, seven years into his career, people are going to keep throwing that fuel on his fire, and it's it's just going to make him an even better player because I feel like he's the type of player that loves playing with that chip on his shoulder. He was doubted his mm-hmm. whole life. And, and the more they want to talk down about Josh, I think the better he's just going to keep getting. You know, that's a very good point. I think Josh Allen is a highly motivated person when faced with adversity. So by that logic, I should have hoped that he went like 99. Because <laughs> <laughs> then he would have just had like this crazy uh, campaign, like I'm not 99. I will show yeah, you. that would have been a <laughs> that would have been amazing to see. And plus, it, could you imagine Bill's mafia if he came at 99? Yeah. Shutting like, down. Twitter. We saw how they re. Yeah, we we saw how they reacted when um, Tredavious White got came in number ninety five. So if Josh Allen came in the top nineties, that would, I Twitter would literally break. 
it it would break. Just various <laughs> riots throughout the country. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's going to bring us to our next portion of today's episode with our Wandering Buffalo interview with our guest, Corey, or better known as Notch Phoenix. We have a special guest on today's show. He's a music content creator, a big Bills fan, of course, and you can call him Corey, but he's better known as Notch Phoenix. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I, I'm just really happy that you guys are able to have me on here. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're obviously happy to have you on our show, and I, I can just tell already you're a huge Bills fan. I see the shirt, the mug, <laughs> the hat. You got it all put together. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like you're, you know, how old are you, where you're from, what do you got going on right now? So I'm originally from the New Jersey area. I'm still residing in New Jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of my family's from the Buffalo area. So I am one of very few Buffalonians that were raised uh, away from family. So mm. um, I'm 29. You know, I've been making music for quite some time. And I'm just, you know, I've been a Bills fan since, you know, birth because I didn't have a choice. I'm, I'm in a household full of Bills fans. So. <laughs> right right yeah that stuff usually doesn't come by choice at least at least for me it wasn't by choice (laughs) yeah i i I was very grateful to to know the passion behind bill's mafia from a very early age so even when we had a little bit you know our team wasn't exactly at a steady pace i was like through and through just a diehard fan so so that leads me into kind of my first question for you is just growing up who would you say was like most influential for you in in your Bills fandom? Uh, Bruce Smith, without any hesitation. Bruce, for me, I wanted, I, I was kind of, I'm, as you could tell, I'm a, a slightly large guy. I wanted to play defense uh, when I got into my opportunity to play football and I wanted to play defensive end. I wanted to like hit people. I wanted to be a threat and, and I guess – that personality and that energy that he put on the field, I wanted to be able to put that into the field that I played on or however I carried myself every day. And I, I appreciated how he played. He was such a monster. You must, you must <laughs> love seeing him showing up at training camp, working with the young guys then. As soon as, as soon as Gregory Russo ended up landing and he ended up having that, uh, that video of, of Bruce Smith talking to him, I was just like, if he mentors him, like Gregory Russo and Boogie Basham are, are hopefully going to be very dynamic uh, players on that roster once they fit that mold that they that they uh, will hopefully figure out in a few years. So I'm really excited to, to, to see him. And plus, he looks great for his age. Fantastic. He's such a fantastic local person, especially, you know, after not playing for so long. So looks like he could still put up four or five sacks in a season. <laughs> Uh, my 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 mom gave me a call and she was just like he looks like he could still like land like a good eight <laughs> like she he, like she she's she's been a big fan of his as well so <laughs> for sure for sure and I know you said you're in the New Jersey area so yeah what what's that like Jets like Giants country <laughs> what 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 what, what, what kind of territory are you in right now um. I'm in the territory where it's a mix of both. It's also Eagles because I'm – some people argue with me about this, but I'm in central Jersey, so it's like that middle between Pennsylvania and, and New York. 
So you get a mix of like Eagles fans, you get a mix of Jets. I see more Giants and and uh, Eagles fans than anything. But yeah, it's, I'm pretty much in in that that awkward space between mm. those three teams. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely sounds like you're uh, a unique NFL fan in that area. <laughs> oh, yeah. would would you agree with that? Yeah. Dana? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. Um, there's surprisingly uh, quite a few people from Buffalo that live at least in the surrounding area. Um, I actually even got excited because I uh, I found out they had uh, a beer from Buffalo that, that came out the the Pills Mafia uh, Pilsner, and I like just even even that to me I was excited about because the fact that Buffalo is bleeding into New Jersey like a little mm-hmm. bit and it's gradually getting a little bit more uh, more popular. So. So I'm just I'm just excited to to be the one of very few to to be uh, a true and true fan. That's that's great to hear, and I, I can only imagine that you probably got a lot of flack for being a Bills fan, especially if you ran into Jets fans. Were, yeah, were you were you able to? I mean, I don't know how far away uh, Rutherford East Rutherford uh, Stadium or. MetLife Stadium is from you, but are you able to go to any of the Bills away games when they play the Jets? I am very torn about going to that stadium just because for me, and I was very excited when when Josh Allen poked fun at uh, playing the Jets and the Giants and kind of being like the one New York team. Because it's like for me, it's a New Jersey, but it's two teams that are claiming to be New York, and I'm not—I ha- I don't have any issues with any fan base with it. But for me, it was like Jets being the New Jersey Jets when they first started in their first year, and then instantly transitioned to New York. It it kind of irked me a certain way growing up because it was like there wasn't any representation of New Jersey. So for me, Buffalo had always stayed true to their word and their values and. And the fan base is always consistent. So for me, I tried to, you know, that's that's what pulled me more towards Buffalo rather than being around those guys. But um, I I just feel torn about being in that stadium because I just don't want to have any issues with any Jets fans of me coming through. And, you know, I I usually feel more comfortable at Orchard Park. So, okay. I like that answer. I like that answer start to yeah. finish. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so um, I did... Uh, uh, but real quick, I did watch um, Bills versus the Jets when Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez were still on the same roster at Orchard Park. Uh, I think it was like the last the last game of the season between the two, and and uh, the whole game everybody chanted Tebow all four quarters. It was like relentless, and by the time he got in, threw <laughs> threw the ball out, didn't even try to pass it to anybody. He just walked off, and we got what we needed. But I was just happy we got that W after that. So, <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, I mean, that's definitely a great memory. I I can recall that game very well. <laughs> can you tell me what you know? Maybe the most fond memory for you as a Bills fan would be. Hmm. Uh, I think my top one, and I I hope. This is like earlier, um, like when I was really trying to find myself as a Bills fan in New Jersey, uh, Nate Clemens hitting Brady, like knocking his helmet off everything, like just hearing Mm -hmm. the smack. Like for me, that was 
that gave me so much energy as a kid. And I just wanted that to be just a consistent thing for the rest of my life, just watching them play. Right, right. I can only imagine for you, it it was almost kind of like that, how you said you, when you were watching Bruce, it invigorated you to want to be on the field and play like that. And then yeah. when you saw that again, it was just kind of like, I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I, tr- I try to embody as much as I could when I got the chance to play football. I played defensive nose tackle, and uh, mm-hmm. we ran um, – I'm trying to remember. We ran a 3-4, so I was the only person that was just haunting everybody in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so proud because I wanted to be the reason why any team that we faced, they're like, we need to watch out for him. He's the problem. So yeah. I wanted to embody that when I got the chance to to bring Bill's Mafia onto the field when I played. Right. You were <laughs> you you were basically Ed Oliver for Houston. <laughs> I I that I hope I hope this season he really he really has a breakthrough season because I I was a big fan of how he played because it was similar to mm-hmm. how I played and I just I I want to see that that type of style on that roster just be be so dominant. Right, right. Are you concerned that Ed's not going to break out? Like we, we, we had a discussion with uh, the Circling the Wagons podcast with Nate, and you know Justin and him were kind of going back and forth about how they felt about Ed Oliver. And I'm a very optimistic person when it yeah. comes to Ed, uh, just because defensive tackles, you know, slow developing. He's as we mentioned a nose tackle, and now he's playing three tech. I, I. I think he's got the toolbox, and we can use the same narrative with, you know, Dawson Knox. As soon as he puts it together, man, it's going to be dangerous, and that's what I'm banking on. And he's just so young, athletic, and I'm telling you, if it comes together, I I definitely agree with with how you see it. It's um, I guess for me, that is a tough position to be in, and especially at the time when he got into the league, there weren't as much solid uh, players around him that were, that were, um, that were already established players um, at least on the ends. So I feel like the big problem was, is that he was new. He was trying to figure things out. And unfortunately I noticed this even, even after the last game, some of the run game and in the middle is a little bit difficult because we, they seem to take advantage of the opening. And, Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I think that those guys really need to figure out. Um, Overall, they're doing a fantastic job pressuring the pocket and, and trying to make sure that any quarterback that they're facing doesn't feel comfortable staying there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like with like Russo, with uh, Jerry Hughes, with, with Epineza, like all those guys are going to be complimentary players once they figure themselves out. I feel like it's going to be a complimentary growing process with the whole defense um because mm-hmm. oliver when he's given a solid amount of players around him he can make a lot of openings and pressure the pocket and if you have russo being a problem they're going to veer more towards him because he big raw talent mm-hmm. and once he figures that out he's going to be a real problem but then that gives oliver an opportunity to make openings for himself to then really go for the kill so he's he has i saw a lot of potential last season i think um as long as we keep the momentum and as long as he stays focused and continues to improve i i think he's going to do very well this season yeah i i i agree with you if 
you know, someone like Rousseau can develop quickly, that's just one more person that an offensive line has to devote attention to. And then you create more of those one-on-ones with Ed Oliver, potentially. And if you, let's say, you know, it vice versa, okay, you know, Ed Oliver's having a breakout year, then you start having more people focusing on him, then you have more of those one-on-ones for Rousseau. It's a numbers game, and it's... It's going to be a beautiful thing if it all comes together as Brandon Bean has planned. So let's move on to the next question here. Um, okay. You know, last preseason game, you know, we, we played the Packers. But next week, this coming Sunday, we're playing the Steelers, as you know. Yeah. Are you pumped? How pumped are you? I am beyond excited just because... I, I'm finally seeing a little bit of a, a rivalry between between these guys and and I think after what happened last season, like with the whole, you know, dancing on the, the logo thing and, and mm-hmm. I think that added a little bit more incentive for them to to have it, it, it's not not like a, a negative hatred kind of rivalry. I think it's just like a like we're gonna beat you this time, or like no, you're not. Like you know, I feel like it's more more friendly, competitive kind of rivalry. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for it. I'm also um, I'm really interested to see with some of the newer guys and how the defense and the offense are gonna look with with more established roster. How they're gonna turn out facing against the uh, the Steelers. Right, right, and I yeah I I would say over the last two years. I noticed that there was a turn of, I guess, the tie when it comes to Steelers because I feel like the Bills always played the Steelers, and yeah, it makes sense. We're in the AFC with them, and every single time we played them, I swore we just got pummeled or there yeah. was some type of defeating play out of that. Yeah, uh, You know, I think about the Stevie Johnson drop. I think, yeah. I think about, uh, you know that snow game where uh, what's his name? The running back who went to the jets and then Kansas city. And now he's uh, not love, there. Uh, love, uh, love Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I think about how he had like a career game, like rushed over 250 yards and like two touchdowns or something. Yeah. It, it, it all those memories kind of just came back to me when, you know, the bills played them for the past Sunday night football games. And we came out on top old times. Yeah. And it, to me, that signaled a turn of the tide. Yeah, and of course. That this this hiring of new regime and from an office, like it's working. This is what a comp like comparable front office looks like, and we're very lucky. Yeah, I think around the time when I think uh, that massive free agency uh, move that we made when we picked up Cole Beasley and like I think it was like a le- I think it was overall twelve players within like like three days. Um, to me, that was like the chain or the, the point where I knew something big was going to happen. Cause as soon as Beasley got on the roster, I'm like, okay, like he's a fantastic route running player. And then once that transitioned into the bills, uh, the bill Steelers games, knowing with McDermott, um, having, you know, having a history with the Steelers head coach and, and they had a rivalry. And I felt like that it was going to bleed from coaches to the players and not just the players, but bleed into the, the overall franchise and the fan base. And I, I have fans, uh, Steelers fans that come up to me. They, I have the tattoo on my arm 
And mm-hmm. I'll have people look at it and they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to beat you this year. And I'm like, why? Why are you trying to like start a like, like, why, why are we beefing? Like, I was like, for me, as long as you're not a Patriots fan, I'm cool. Like, we're, 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 we're on the same page. Like, there are two teams that, that work their butts off. They have kind of similar purposes, similar fan bases, and they have a lot of heart. Yeah. And known for the defense, so I, I, I'm just excited to see how they how they both turn out for for this season. Got to watch out what you say about the Patriots here. Just <laughs> come on, uh, just Justin's marrying a Patriots fan. Hey, look, I have no issues, but it's just I, you I know, do. I do. You know, I hey, I'm <laughs> I'm trying not to to ruin any uh, any uh, you know chemistry between you and the misses, but you know, yeah. How did she feel? Wait, how did she feel about the um about the billboard when we picked uh, the location to be not too far from the from the uh, Gillette Stadium? So, so she's she's not like deep into the fandom, so I don't I don't really remember getting a reaction from that. Um, she has family out in in Boston, and she was never a Bills fan growing up, and. She wanted to support a, a team in Boston, and she was already a Yankees fan, so mm, wanted okay. to be the Patriots. But I mean, the Bills are better, so you know, that's what it is. Hey, I mean, hopefully, if we end up winning a Super Bowl, I'm just saying that there might have to be a a change in in, in favorites. That's yeah, all I'm saying. The guard. I'm working on it. But uh, <laughs> hey, add it to the balance. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Phoenix, tell me a little bit. Uh, we had the cut down to the 53 today. Um, I think it's far from, you know, fully, fully solidified. I think we're still going to see some moves, but who would you say was your biggest surprise cut today? Um, I think Hollister, surprisingly, Mm. I think for me, Hollister, because Hollister had, I think out of everybody on that roster had a, uh, had a history with Josh Allen prior to the whole NFL experience. And, um, I when I saw him uh, get picked and along with Emmanuel Sanders with his chemistry and Colt with Cole Beasley, I was thinking that it was going to be a chemistry uh, building kind of year and trying to add familiar uh, uh, familiar faces and and kind of add a little bit more want to to have these guys that really put in work and 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 add that um, that drive to compete on and off the field. Um, but I, I guess for me. Um, Hollister threw threw me for a loop because I thought he would have at least you know either been on the fifty three man roster. Is he like just out of curiosity? Because um, is he going to be on practice squad hopefully, or has none of that been announced just yet? Yeah. It's all up in the air. Okay, and unfortunately, we don't know. Uh, I I would agree with you. I thought that Hollister had a real good chance of making this roster. I mm-hmm. thought he had a pretty strong camp in preseason but uh, maybe it was more pedestrian than we thought. Yeah. And uh, other people made the team. Now, we, as Justin alluded to, there can be roster moves made, and we know of one that's probably going to happen with Reed Ferguson because he was cut, but Sal Capaccio himself said, like, you know, don't 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 expect him to sit on the street for too long. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, is there someone who made this roster that you – didn't think would make it? Uh, honestly, I feel like I've, after watching kind of the growth of 
the 53, the solid 53 man roster that they've been building within the past, like four or five seasons, I, I guess for me, it just, as of recent, I feel more comfortable um, and not questioning a lot of the guys that they've been putting on the roster. So I, I don't have anything that, or any player that comes to mind that I'm like, I don't know if they're really going to be a good fit because I th- like Dawson Knox, I, I I love that man. He is a fantastic player. I know he's got things to to figure out, and I know there was a big um, a bit of a concern of him not improving the way they want him to. And they, I know that's why they picked Hollister and a few other players. But I have a hundred percent trust that he's going to do very well this season. And um, uh, out of yeah, I, I I don't really see any any. Uh, any red flags for me or any concerns of like I, he made the roster. So I'm, I'm very confident with, with uh, what they're doing. Right. Right. All right. So got to give you the hard hitting question. Everybody that comes on the show has to answer it. Your, oh, your chicken wings. Do you prefer the flat, the drum? How are you getting them sauced? What are you dipping them in? Where's the best place to get them in Jersey? Um, without a doubt. There's no, I'm not doing ranch ranch. If, if somebody offers me ranch, I'm walking out. Like I, I've, I've established that anytime I walk into a place, if we do ranch, I'm, I'm not, I'm not eating it. Um, wings. Um, I'm used to like when I, when I was growing up, I used to go to anchor bar, uh, when I've come to visit family. Um, so I was used to like really good wings. Unfortunately in New Jersey, it's a little tough trying to find places, um, there's a, a local shop that I, I would go to, um, that's called Al John's. It, it's, it's, um, uh, it's kind of a, uh, a small mom and pop shop that's right around the corner from my, from my house. So I would get wings. That's the closest that I could get to good wings, but I, I can't say that they're good enough in comparison to like, you know, traditional like wings. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'd need to. Anytime I end up having my sauce, it has to be hot. Like I don't. It. It. There. I don't like mild. Is not an option. Like I need to make sure that my stomach's hurting later on, and I'm like, it was worth it. Um, <laughs> and drums are flats. That's the only tough part for me. Um, because I, no matter which one you give me, I'm going to scarf down. So, um, mm-hmm. I would have to say, you know, I would have to say flats. There we go. I, I think I would have to say flats just because, you know, once you have them set up, you can push them, knock, knock everything out, and then easily pull it out with ease with the blue cheese on there. It's fantastic. <laughs> Getting hungry. Right, right. I mean, for me, yeah, for me personally, I'm pretty ambivalent to drums or flat. As long as it's crispy, yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this interview, uh, Notch. Do you have any questions for us? Where can the people find you? Um. Well, to start, um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, notch underscore Phoenix, N-O-T-C-H underscore, you know, Phoenix. Um, I also have music on Spotify, iTunes, um, Amazon Music. Uh, I have a bunch of stuff. I just recently uh, put out a song with uh, Benny the Butcher as a host on my track. Uh, by the way, lovely guy. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's such a nice person. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to see uh i think i think outside of that just just go bills and um and 
I don't I don't know if I have any any crazy question. Actually, we didn't get the chance to talk about this. What were your favorite memories like on uh, with the Buffalo Bills? Like, what was something that was very significant for you that 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 reminds Looks like we potentially lost you there, Notch. But um, hopefully, we'll get you back here in a second. Uh, I mean, I heard where he was going with the question, and I know my answer. And I think you know mm-hmm. mine. It's that that Kyle Williams retirement moment where uh, oh, where course, McD took the time out and pulled him off the field oh, to okay. the, oh. let the crowd give him a standing ovation. That was my my favorite Bills memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, for me, I'm going to go on a different route here. Most memorable Bills moment. There's like so many you can choose from, but mm-hmm. I'd have to say that season where Josh Josh Allen's rookie season, because that entire year that was pretty miserable to be a Bills fan. I, and yes, it was. I told myself, if I can get through this season, I can get through it as as a Bills fan, and I can be optimistic of the future because I know how this team is going to look with cap, uh, y- y- the amount of space w- we can do in the offseason, the draft capital we have, and it's exciting to see. It's just, again, I said it before, if the Bills front office can put it all together, and we're living in that world yeah. because they put it all together. All right. I think that was a great uh, question to end on. Um, other than that, Notch, appreciate you being on the show. You are a great guest. And, uh, you know, obviously we enjoyed your company a lot. And, and, and once again, I, I just, I'm just happy to be here, have an opportunity to talk to, you know, like-minded fans who, mm-hmm. who are really passionate about this, this team and, and what they're, um, potentially going to lay out for the rest of the uh the fans to celebrate for for this season so i'm i'm just grateful to be able to to be here guys thank you so much thank you go bills for sure go Go bills Bills. (laughs) if you'd like to join our show you can email us at the wandering buffalo podcast or you can give us a dm on our social media accounts by searching the wandering buffalo podcast we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're going to pick up with today's episode by talking about uh, the roster cutdown. As you know, the uh, NFL roster cutdown was today, uh, Tuesday at 4 p.m., and there was a slew of players that were released. And I'll, I guess I'll just list them off right now, and then we'll kind of analyze it. All right. So right off the back bat, we have Jake Fromm, Davis Webb. Both gone. Antonio Williams, the only running back cut. For wide receivers, Tanner Gentry, Isaiah Hodgins, and Steven Sims. Then for tight ends, Nate Becker, Jacob Hollister, and Quentin Morris. Long snapper, Reed Ferguson. Cornerbacks, Elijah Griffin, Cam Lewis, Nick McLeod, and Rashad Wild Goose. Safety, Josh Thomas. Defensive end, Mike Love. Uh... Defensive tackle, Brandon Bryant. Offensive lineman, Jack Anderson. Jordan Devy, Jamel Douglas. 
your favorite, uh, Justin here, Bobby Hart got cut too. And then two linebackers, Joe Giles-Harris and Markel Lee. So, that is a decent amount of players cut from the roster. And all that being said, who are your surprise cuts from that list, Justin? So, what I found with today is kind of looking back at it after I saw everything, I kind of feel like in previous years when our roster wasn't so solidified, there was a lot more surprise names to me of like people that, you know, the camp darlings that I'd fallen in love with. And I was like, I can't believe this guy's gone. Um, So Mm -hmm. for me, the biggest obvious surprise was Jake Hollister. And I initially was thinking like, oh, that's probably just some roster gymnastics. I think he'll be back. You know, I wasn't overly concerned about it. Um, But then I saw they kept Tommy Sweeney. Um, So I was fully expecting them to only keep two tight ends um, with having Reggie Gilliam as that, you know, fullback tight end hybrid type of guy. Um, Mm -hmm. Typically they keep three tight ends, but I kind of thought that was rounding out the numbers. Um, So seeing Tommy Sweeney stay, I'm not so confident with Hollister coming back, but Maybe they want to still keep three traditional tight ends, and we do see him come back after, you know, some of the roster moves are made. Um, and mm. then the, the initial list when I saw it, Reed Ferguson, like, blew my mind. We just signed him to the biggest contract for a long snapper, um, all that. And then Sal Capaccio reported very shortly after that they're they're fully intending on re-signing him tomorrow after – some of the IR moves are made and whatnot. But outside of that, there wasn't really too much that really surprised or upset me. Anything for you? Yeah, and just kind of going off of what you laid there, you know, Sal, Sal Cabaccio also mentioned that Harrison Phillips, Marquez Stevenson, Isaiah McKenzie, Jaquan Johnson, um, and, you know, all could be candidates for IR now that they can return after like three games, so you know, that quick swap, you know, all right, you made the team, guess what, you're back, you're going on IR so we can clear space for these people that we just cut. Uh, We saw that the Bills did this last year with uh, Andre Roberts, and to go off of the tight ends, I really thought it was surprising to see, you know, Hollister go, because I thought he had a decent camp, and he played pretty well at least in the preseason so I I really thought he was making this team and originally I had Tommy Sweeney making this team as well but you know as the season kind of as as this camp went along I noticed the value of Reggie Gilliam and he you know Brian Dayball said he's got to carve out a role on this offense and I think he did a decent job of that so I, I don't know if maybe they'll put Tommy Sweeney on IR. I know there was he was injured for a little bit and you know he was walking in a boot not too long ago. So maybe something like that could happen where Hollister comes back. I'm not holding my breath, but you know it it, it could happen. <laughs> and in terms of other roster moves, you know we saw someone like Bam Johnson get shipped off to the Carolina Panthers for a six-round pick. And 
I got to say that I don't think anyone's happy about that. You know, everyone, you know, Bam Johnson's got probably a great uh, fan, uh, you know, fan group out here in Bill's Mafia. And it's understandable. He's a great special teams player. uh, Tied the team for most special team tackles. He provides depth at a defensive end group. But when you look down that defensive end room, there's, you know, F.A. It pretty much just came down to F.A. Obata or Bam Johnson. And unfortunately, Bam Johnson is not that good of a defensive end. He's a really good special teams player, but we also have a lot of special teams players on this team already. Tyler Medikevich, you know, Taiwan Jones, Andre Smith, and others. So it, it just makes sense that we shipped him out, and it's kind of unfortunate, but, you know, at least we were able to get something for him, and, you know, I think he's going to have a good time down there in Cal- uh, Carolina. Yeah, and days like today are when I don't envy the job of Brandon Bean. Um, so, I mean, he put together this really talented roster. So, you know, ultimately the cuts become that much harder, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I personally love Bam Johnson for what he brought to special teams. I think he was starting to develop a little bit more as like a consistent actual defensive player. Um, but when you start playing the numbers game, you know, off the rip, you have Jerry Hughes, you have three DNs that you took in the last two drafts in the top two rounds. Um, So none of those players are going anywhere. I thought Addison was more likely to be the odd man out um, or more my preference to be the odd man out. But then you're talking, you know, the dead cap, which wasn't killer. But I do like that if you had to move on for a player, you know, you got something in return for Johnson versus... You know, there probably wasn't much of a trade market out there for Mario Addison. Um, so you'd be cutting him, not getting anything back, and have to eat the dead cap. Um, in this situation, I think it's ultimately the right move to get something back. It doesn't really make mm-hmm. it hurt any less for me, though. Yeah. Well, without further ado, uh, let's let's just go right into the 53-man roster as it stands right now. So the Bills kept two quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Mitchell Trubisky. Nothing surprising there. They kept four running backs, uh, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida, and Taiwan Jones. They brought your guy back at fullback or fullback, tight end, whatever you want to call him, at Reggie Gilliam. Yeah, your guy. And then I believe they kept one, two, three, four, five, seven wide receivers. Diggs, Beasley, Davis, Sanders, McKenzie, Stevenson and Kumaro. My other guy. My other guy. You know, this this Camp Darling, I had a feeling, right, the way that people were talking about him, all the beat reporters, it's just, yeah, you know, it, he, he's, he's there and he's doing good, but this time was different. I wasn't going to fall for the old same song and dance. Kumaro had to work for my love, and damn it. Damn it, he earned it. He got it. He earned it, and he made the 53-man roster. How do you feel about this wide receiver room, Justin? I I love it. I really wanted us to keep seven. I just didn't necessarily see a path to it, Um, and maybe that Mm -hmm. is part of 
the tough decision of letting Bam Johnson go and keeping the numbers somewhere else. Um, I do think we're going to see probably Stevenson maybe go on the short-term IR, something like Mm -hmm. that, because I don't think there's an immediate role for him. But again, I think it's a good problem to have that I don't think you could have exposed Stevenson to waivers right now and expected him Mm -hmm. to be able to come back to the team. I think he did enough during preseason that while he might not factor in as one of our top five at the beginning of the year, I don't think that most teams in the NFL don't have a wide receiver room like we have, and he could have easily been a three or four somewhere else in the league. Uh, So I think you kind of had to make that move to keep him around. Yeah, I'm not so sure that he would have gotten picked he definitely would have gotten picked up from another team he he just showed a lot in preseason in terms of his game breaking speed bringing back a putt for a touchdown and you know hooking up with Jake Fromm on that deep pass he he's got some wheels and it's that that helps a lot in (laughs) NFL games i.e. the Chiefs that all their receivers just run dumb fast so the Bills, the Bills got someone with that kind of speed. In my head, moving on. In my head, when we did our oh. forty-yard dashes, I looked like Marquez Stevenson. Oh yeah. yeah. In my head, I thought I ran like Justin Zimmer. <laughs> Not too far off. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on to the tight end rooms, we got Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney. No need to really talk about that, as we already kind of dove into that. And in terms of the offensive line, we're going to mix the interior and tackles into the same category here. So we got Mitch Morris, Deion Dawkins, Daryl Williams, John Feliciano, Cody Ford, Ryan Bates, Ike Bakker, Spencer Brown, and Tommy Doyle. None of these are really surprising to me. Um, I thought... You know, Tommy Doyle obviously showed that he needs a little more development, and he's not—he's not close to the finished product that the Bills uh, want. And the same maybe could be said about Spencer Brown. He only showed like one game of really good pass blocking, one game of good run blocking, and pass blocking. Um, but again, those were preseason games, and there was only two of them. So small sample size. I understand why these two made the roster, and obviously they had to make the roster. Uh, but I think they're probably last resort to be put in, uh, and I don't think that they start this year, unless you know they just go crazy in training, uh, in practice, and it's undeniable. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you added your your point there with like the the last resort to go in thing. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. Jack Anderson was a little surprising of a cut to me um, just based on it being a draft pick and being loving to keep his draft picks around, but it's a little different when you have this stacked of a roster. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not doing my victory lap on the Bobby Hart thing yet. I have, I have a sneaking suspicion that with some of this short term, IR the gymnastics they're going to do to get a couple of these players back, I have a sneaking suspicion that we have not seen the last of Bobby Hart, and I'm not jazzed about it. I'm just saying from from what my gut is telling me, 
I feel like Bobby Hart ends up back around. I am going to say you're wrong, and that's just because I don't want to see that. Just plain and simple. You know, when I had to do that solo pod while uh, you were going through some technical difficulties, I I made a mention about like how he made it past the first round of cuts and how his performance in that Detroit game was so lackluster. And I remember looking dead into the camera and was like, can you imagine Bill's Mafia if Bobby Hart made this roster? Like, can you actually imagine that if he made this initial 53-man roster? I... I would literally be so upset with this regime just because I just don't think Bobby Hart has it, man. He's just a liability out there. And I know I just mentioned, you know, Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown would be like the last resort. But if, you know, Bobby Hart was on this team, he easily is like break in case of emergency and then break again because send someone else out instead of him. Break break the button of Bobby Hart so you can't send him out there. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> you know, I, I just didn't I just didn't want him. Yeah, there. I mean ultimately for me I think it comes down to being a McDermott like to have these guys that have the starting experience and for what's that for what that's worth, it doesn't make sense to me with Bobby Hart because I've seen him on the field and it doesn't look good to me. Um, I don't know if they, they have like a preference to the starting experience for me, for me, there's no more ceiling to explore with Bobby Hart. And if it comes to Mm -hmm. a position where God forbid Dawkins or Williams has to spend some time injured or what have you, anything happens, I would much rather see. Tommy Doyle out there looking bad as a rookie or Spencer Brown going through his growing pains. Mm-hmm. Cause we at least know that they're gigantic phys- physical specimens. They're very athletic. I would much rather see them go through some growing pains than trot out Bobby Hart for him having starting experience. But like I yeah. said, just, and he's at the tail end of his yeah, career. <laughs> just, just a sneaking suspicion for me that we haven't seen the last of them. That's all. All right, well, let's transition to uh, defensive ends here. Uh, as you know, the Bills got Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa, F.A. Obata, Gregory Rousseau, and Bobby, or I'm sorry, Boogie Basham. So we got six defensive ends. Uh, you know, makes sense. I we, We're going to see a lot of rotations and combinations. Uh, maybe some defensive ends are going to rush from the inside, outside. It, it's going to be a lot, and... It's going to be fantastic. We got a lot of length at defensive end. That's going to make throwing lanes a little harder when they throw their hands up, and it's going to be a lot of pressure. At least that's the goal. Yeah, and for me, this is probably right up there with wide receiver for me on like groups that I'm most excited to see how it pans out because pass rush was a weakness of ours last year, and now it just mm-hmm. looks like we flipped the switch so fast to – the possibility of it being a strength. I mean, if you're talking about hoping F.A. Obata is a contributor and Boogie Basham is developing and Rousseau starts scratching his ceiling, it, it's just, it's it's kind of like unheard of to see that fast of a turnaround. 
in a position group. And if we even scratch the surface of what I think this group is going to do this year, I think our defense shoots right up to top five, seven range of the league. And if you pair that with what our offense is supposed to be doing, that's going to be a scary good team, man. That's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Let's talk about defensive tackles. Ed Oliver, Star Lutulele, Harrison Phillips, Vernon Butler, and Justin Zimmer. I mean, no surprises here. I kind of wished they moved on from Vernon Butler, but then again, you know, if they moved on from him, who were they going to bring? Brandon Bryant? Like, I I guess, but I, at that point, you're going to save $3 million if you cut Vernon Butler with the off chance that Brandon Bryant, uh, you know, a long vet in this league can perform better than Vernon Butler, which maybe he can because Vernon Butler really hasn't proven anything in the NFL. But we know this coaching staff loves Vernon Butler, and they say, like, if he puts it together, you know, which is the narrative, I swear, for a lot of people on this team, you know, they, it's always this. It, they have the traits. If they can put it all together, it's going to be crazy, which is speaks to them really banking on their on the team's ability to develop, draft and develop, draft and develop, which is the goal of, you know, teams. And that's how you get great labor and, you know, return on investments. Yeah. And if you asked me a month ago or so, I, I would have been on on the train of getting Butler out of here. Um, but the way things are shaking out, you know, you look at Harrison Phillips is injured right now. We don't really know how much time he's going to miss. And then, you know, beyond, beyond Starr and Ed Oliver, you start looking at what the depth there looks like. And I know some of these DNs have, have the ability to play a little bit inside and whatnot. And I love Justin Zimmer. But when you start talking about, you know, kind of, stopping the run you don't really have much behind star and ed oliver and when you're talking about these defensive ends that can kick inside you're you're talking more for you know a pass rush where you basically have three four dns on the field just going after the quarterback you're not necessarily talking uh in the run game um so kind of stuffing up the middle i don't think it's our strongest position on the field i i think you know, way too early looking at at next year's offseason or maybe one of these little moves that we can make before the season starts. I think defensive tackle is, is a spot that we need to look to shore up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. We're we're uh, we're going to need some resource allocation mm-hmm. there, whether it be draft or via tree, uh, free agency. I agree. Moving on to the linebackers, nothing surprising here. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, A.J. Klein, Dotson, Matikiewicz, Andre Smith. Pretty cut and dry. I think you and I both kind of predicted this would happen. Um, yeah, I'm I'm glad think, to see Andre Smith, and we, we talked a lot about him through oh yeah. the offseason and kind of how they protected him on the practice squad a lot last year, and I always thought he was one of the guys coming off, and he always stuck around and – Mm-hmm. Just being able to see him play in this preseason, and and I know you can't put too much stock in the preseason, but he looked like he belonged. And if he's what we have coming off the bench as a rotation guy, 
or somebody that pops in for, you know, when we actually play our base defense, which we never do, I'm, I'm happy to have him in the game. For sure. And now let's look at the cornerback rooms. The Bills kept five. Tredavious White, Teron Johnson, Saran Neal, Levi Wallace, and Dane Jackson. And when I look at this list, you know, obviously we have our starters all, all there, but, I mean, if Wallace or White go down, we're super Left. in the weeds. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a quick way to get in the weeds, and uh, it, it just shows that we this might also be an area um, where Brandon Bean needs a target in free agency or the draft upcoming draft, because it, it, it's not, it's, it's a thin area on our roster. Yeah. So going into the off season, my biggest concerns were, what were we going to do to generate a pass rush, which we've touched on. We pretty handsomely addressed, um, but we haven't really done much to address the cornerback position, which if you go ba- way back with us and you listen to you know our mock drafts and whatnot, it's something I wanted to invest some high capital in. Uh, obviously, we use that capital to sure up the defensive end position, hopefully. Um, but when I look at this list, like I'm fine with Levi Wallace starting. I I know he's not you know a world beater over there, but I do like him as a player. It's when we get past the top two. And we start talking about, yeah, Teron Johnson is Buffalo folklore right now based on, you know, he made two monumental plays last year. Um, But we also Mm -hmm. can't forget that he is going into a contract year. He was benched for Cam Lewis last year, a guy who just got cut today. Um, So, you know, what what Teron Johnson do we see? Uh, And then you get into... Dane Jackson, I feel like he's more of a, a game-time player. I think he plays better than he practices, from what I can see. Um, but that still kind of scares me. And then Saran Neal, I absolutely love the guy for, for what he does on special teams and whatnot. Um, but mm-hmm. seeing him out in coverage this preseason, that it gives me a lot of concern if he's somebody that's coming in. Yeah, you know, Saran Neal's a, a Swiss Army knife, and I actually, I, I like Saran Neal. I don't know what it is, but this man is all over the place, and I I think he's a great value pick, uh, value position, kind of like how, you know, you look at Reggie Gilliam. Like, he's able to play cornerback, he can play the slot, he plays special teams. Like, that, that's, that's, in my opinion, like, he's he's like the defensive uh, version of, of that yeah, uh but moving I'll on give you, oh, i'll give you i'll give you exactly that on saran neil but to, to the same point you know he can play you know like a nickel linebacker he can play a little bit of corner he can play a little safety but to the reggie gilliam point i don't want to see reggie gilliam as my starting tight end or my <laughs> starting running back or you know i i want them to maintain their specialized role but if either of our top two cornerbacks go down that's who's up next, and, and that that's what concerns me. I do like him as a player, though. Right. Uh, moving on quickly to the safeties before we get to the special teamers. Uh, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Jaquan Johnson, and DeMar Hamlin. DeMar beat out Josh Thomas, 
And that doesn't surprise me. I thought that he, from all reports, that he was having a good camp. And I thought he played pretty well in all the preseason games. So, congrats. Yeah, Hamlin looks like a future stud to me. I think mm-hmm. uh, Josh Thomas has showed a lot in the preseason. He's primed up to be like that one of the first guys brought back to the practice squad if he clears waivers, which I anticipate he will. Yeah. And then, you know, Tyler Bass... Matt Hawk, and then some by some way and form, Reed Ferguson will be back on the roster because we just can't have AJ Appanessa being the long snapper. Not that he did bad, but he was just inconsistent. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I believe Bojo shook free today. You giving him a phone call? No. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, he's he's pretty inconsistent, uh, inconsistent too. But so is Matt Hawk. But I need someone to actually grab the football, put it on the ground, and turn the laces out. I need you to do that. <laughs> I need you to do that, and I, I don't think Bojo oh, can do it. <laughs> actually, I I thought Bojo had got caught. He ended. I think he ended up getting traded to the Packers. Actually, so I'm, hey, Bojo yeah. for Kumaro, let's go. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Um. Anyways, let's move on to the last portion of today's episode, and we're going to just briefly talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And I'm going to tell you quite literally how I feel. And I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the episode, but I am so stoked that NFL football is back. Week one, we're going to open this up at the Ralph or Highmark or whatever you want to call it. But the Bills are back in town. We're hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we've been victorious against the, our last two Sunday night football games. And we've got, you know, Notch mentioned this too, you know, there's a little rivalry going on between us and the Steelers. And I don't think he's wrong because we've we've got the best of them the last two times on prime time. And they've gotten the best of us for many, many years before that because we were just very inept as a team. But the the turns are tiding and i i'm just excited to see josh allen go out there and sling it i'm excited to see our defense in action and we we know what the steelers are right they like and it looks like they're picking up exactly where they left off last year with big ben throwing like short intermittent passes and the bills know how to defend that so unless something crazy happens and I think something might be a factor here to, you know, keep in mind. Um, that being Najee Harris, you know, the running back that a lot of people thought the Bills might target in the NFL draft. Obviously, we know that didn't happen, but uh, he might be someone we might need to look out for. Uh, Justin, why don't you let me know how you feel about this game in general, and then talk to me about Najee. So I want to project this game as a beatdown. I just think roster to roster I think we have a better a better team than Pittsburgh but they're the type of team that plays with like that blue collar grit and Mm -hmm. you know they're they're always going to be a tough out and you don't just go in and blow them out Um, what I do like about this matchup is I do like Najee Harris but I think that they should have gone first round they should have been addressing their offensive line um 
they have an aging Ben Roethlisberger back there that's not the same guy he used to be. And I didn't really see enough in their offseason to sure up that offensive line in front of him. And I I love the matchup there of their offensive line versus, you know, some of our young blood pass rush coming in. And I think they're going to have a great game. I do think Najee Harris is about to eat on us. He's he's about to have his first NFL start and go for something like 150 yards, but it's going to be in that style of bend but don't break defense and you know really try to make Big Ben be the guy that beats you and from what we saw last year I I just I see it as a W. I got it at 17 to 28. Bills. 17 to 28 Bills. I got it. Oh, that's a good, you know, one of the Bill, uh, the Steelers, you know, let's talk about their strengths, you know, short passing game and their defense. And we, we already addressed the fact that their wild card would be Najee Harris. I think that the Bills have a really good pass defense. You know, they don't, they won't let you throw anything deep on them, and we don't give up those kind of completions. But then again, Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to throw that stuff because he's getting older and he's not. I don't. I don't know if he can do it anymore. <laughs> so, um, and then our, I guess our weakness, we'll we'll have to see. But our run defense has it improved really much from last year? Yes, we got Star coming back, and we saw in that preseason game against the Packers that he's able to hold his own and when he's able to hold his own it frees up other players to get around and read uh the keys in front of them you know being Tremaine Edmonds and other company so I I it this game I I always get a little nervous between every single game but I feel good about this one I am going to predict a Bills W. I'm going to say 31 to 13. That's that's something that feels pretty good to me. I think that Najee will probably get like uh a touchdown and then, you know, just field goals for the rest of them, but I th- I think the Bills are going to eat on this defense, especially because they the Steelers weren't able to really uh replace uh who's that cornerback that you really Steven wanted? Nelson. Uh, Justin, Steve, yeah, yeah. Steven Nelson, they, yeah. Like who? Do, who do they replace him with? Like nothing. There's a hole there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think I think that the Bills are going to walk away with the W, and that's going to be the best way to start off the regular uh, season. While we're on the topic of the Steelers, did you see? Did, you had to have seen it. Uh, Juju doing the crate challenge. Yeah. Well, I saw him doing the tail end of it, but bro, one one it, week it, before the NFL season starts, and you're out there doing the crate challenge. I mean, it's. I mean, I get it, right? Like I'm, he's just trying to. Have I mean, fun he killed it on social media. Yeah, yeah, but but put that as you're 12 days away from kickoff, and you saw Stefan Diggs doing that. How are you feeling in your heart? Is it still just having fun, or are you feeling sick? I just if I saw Stefan Diggs do that and complete it successfully, I'd be like, Well, that doesn't surprise me. He's an elite route runner. I, I'd imagine he'd be able to conquer some, you know, milk crates ease with ease. 
toss him like 50 footballs in the process and i bet he one hands Bro, everything I'd be sick to my stomach <laughs> no and on in honesty um you know i mean they they can do what they want in their personal lives you know i'm not here to say that they can't but i would i be thrilled to see it uh i guess not i'm pretty ambivalent to it uh, i just want to make sure that the guy's healthy and he he completes the challenge you have so much more youthful whimsy than me <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and review our podcast, as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the Built in Buffalo Network. We're always looking for great guests on our show. So, um, you know, make sure to reach out on us uh, on our social media platforms if you're interested by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on all social medias, at jgods22. Like Andrew said, if you're ever interested in getting on the show, talking a little Bills football, we'll always find a way to get you in, so hit us up. Absolutely, and you can find me on social media by searching 2Jangs. Uh, and as always, Go, go Bills! Bills.